Welcome to Unga Decoded. I'm Michael Igo, senior reporter at DevEx. For the next couple weeks, my colleagues and I are going to bring you inside the biggest global development gathering of the year. Skip the travel, the traffic, and the security lines, and join us for candid conversations with people at the leading edge of global development, global health, and humanitarian assistance. This is Unga Decoded. If you look at all the mechanisms that are being uh, put together to respond to what may be another pandemic, the same systems are still being used. And this, in my view, will be a, a very big lost opportunity. The COVID-19 pandemic revealed stark inequalities in the global health architecture. As the virus spread, a handful of mostly wealthy countries proved to have the money, the private sector relationships, and the power to be first in line for vaccines, treatments, and supplies. And global health institutions struggled to even the playing field. Health leaders on the African continent have taken that lesson to heart, and one institution at the forefront of a new vision for African health security is the Africa Centers for Disease Control. Raj Kumar, editor-in-chief of DevEx, spoke to Dr. Ahmed Agwal Uma, second-in-command at Africa CDC, about how the continent's quest for greater self-reliance is unfolding and what a more regional approach to preparing for pandemics might look like. Here's their conversation. What are some of the lessons you think Africa CDC has learned as an organization from the pandemic? Three big things. One is when an outbreak is very big, the inequity translates into Africa being on its own. Um, When the outbreak is small, smallpox, Lassa fever, yellow fever, then it's not interesting enough for others, therefore Africa is still on its own. Uh, This is one lesson. Second is we have learned that if we come together, we can actually be able to find local solutions. And for us, as local solutions have come in uh, the form of our heads of states having keen interest and therefore participating very regularly in uh, uh, meetings at the heads of state level and asking very pertinent questions, giving us very concrete um, direction and uh, advice. Our ministers leading the implementation at country level, and they will come together, learn from one another. Our technical colleagues have been exceptional. They, both at country level and at Africa CDC level, sieve through all the data, uh, generate um, analysis, and then use that evidence to be able to design the way responses will be. You'll notice that during the pandemic, we didn't follow what others were saying. We generated our own evidence. And using it, we delivered some very concrete um, uh, technical advice that were implemented at country level. Third, if we don't secure our supply chain, then we cannot be able to respond to any outbreak, small or big. So the need for local manufacturing became very urgent. The urgency may be going down because uh, the acute phase of the pandemic is uh, uh, 
passing, but the facts, the facts still remain that we must secure our supply chain for everything we need from countermeasures to uh, therapeutics to uh, diagnostics and uh, vaccines. We must secure the supply chain. So whether we'll be manufacturing under license or doing R&D to come up with our own novel um, uh, in, owned uh, products on the continent, that has to happen so that the next one does not catch us. I mean, look, in the, we were in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Um, uh, monkeypox, the numbers were growing, and we were saying the numbers are growing. We need to refocus on this. Um, even those who are listening were not responding until monkeypox was exported. Many of the health leaders I talked to point to just that, uh, monkeypox, as an example of us not having learned the lessons of COVID, that, look, this hit us. And we still didn't respond correctly to it. We still didn't get ahead of it. We still didn't secure the supplies of vaccine needed for the continent where the burden was much higher, right? So I guess I wonder, as you talk to people here, right? You're in, you're in General Assembly, you're meeting with lots of other leaders. Is the general sentiment that, okay, we've learned some lessons, we know what to do, we're gonna start working toward these things like supply chains you know, that are more robust and secure, um, or are we not, is there not yet a consensus that this is what we need to do? The consensus is that um, we must do things differently. There's consensus around that. Okay. So there is appreciation that the systems didn't work. Where there's still no very concrete agreement is how do we fix that? For us, how we fix that is very clear. And we've captured that in the new public health order. Um, strengthening institutions on the continent, uh, strengthening workforce uh, so that they are fit for purpose, uh, securing supply chain, uh, improving domestic uh, resources, not just money, but also experts, infrastructure, bringing in the private sector uh, capacity. So domestic resources need to be part of the, the game. And finally, is although our ambition is to do it on our own, we don't want to do it alone. Yeah. Then you bring a broad... Um, group of partners who see the priorities of the continent from our lens. So we define the priorities and the partners are able to help. Uh, but here, if you look at all the mechanisms that are being uh, put together to respond to what may be another pandemic, the same systems are still being used. And this, in my view, will be a, a very big lost opportunity if we do not um, address the planning for a possible uh, pandemic, planning for the next big outbreak to use infrastructure that is not currently uh, being used. A good example is regional um, approach. For us as Africa CDC, we are looking at this as a continent. We need to strengthen those because if you regionalize it, then you are able to define priorities differently for different regions. That way, if monkeypox or any other uh, outbreak comes on the continent of Africa, we define it as a priority and we respond properly to it, not to wait for the whole world to agree that it is a priority, because that will take time. So those old um, methods and mechanisms are fine, but they are not going to address uh, specific region's priorities. Yeah because they're not global in nature. And it sounds like soon you will have the authority to declare public health emergencies on the continent, right, as the agency becomes fully autonomous. Is that still on track to happen? Uh, 
Absolutely. The decision was already made in July. The um, amended statute of Africa CDC in Article 3E gives the authority of declaring a public health emergency of continental security to Africa CDC. And uh, uh, operationalizing that is what we are doing. And yes, we'll do it by, by the end of the year. And we will then be in a position to be able to declare an emergency here uh, on the continent of Africa. Without having to go through the AU for their approval, you can do it on your own. Absolutely. That is a technical decision. The ramifications will be looked at very carefully. The, the, the one thing that I think many I do not appreciate is that we take this responsibility very seriously of declaring a public health emergency of, on the continent. We take it very seriously. We will put together um, a group of experts who will use the IHR as the template of um, what you need to consider and go through to, to make that declaration. And we will do that in the context of appreciating that any public health emergency that is declared has socioeconomic uh, ramifications. And we'll take all that into consideration. But it remains an Africa CDC mandate. It remains a technical assessment. And it remains uh, a public health imperative. If you don't declare, you delay, and public health is affected, and eventually the economic um, uh, ramifications will come. So um, we will do it, and we'll put in place the measures by the end of the year uh, so that any uh, the next um, uh, outbreak that is major and fits the criteria that we will have defined will be declared by Africa citizens. And what about beyond new outbreaks, new pandemics, thinking about things like TB and malaria and HIV, where there's been some real backsliding during the COVID pandemic? Is the new structure of Africa CDC, the fact that it is fully autonomous and that you're just operationalizing that now, will we see real world changes in what that means for the fight against those diseases and others, NCDs? Or is it really mostly about these big questions of declaring a public health emergency on the continent? The new um, Africa CDC, call it Africa CDC 2.0, uh, is going to address all disease entities on the continent. So yes, the older pandemics like HIV are going to be part of that. Um, the um, uh, older disease burdens that we have like malaria and TB are going to be part of that. Uh, NCDs, um, environmental health, including climate change effects are going to be part of that because the mandate is for disease prevention and control. So we will handle the full range of disease threats on the continent. Whether they are acute or whether they're more chronic, we will be able to handle that. Second is that the, the, the statute gives um, us the leeway to be able to engage beyond health, to, to bring uh, on the table all those players that we feel are um, required for a response that is going to be positive uh, for public health. So in this way, we are expanding uh, the capacity and capability of Africa CDC to be able to handle that large uh, uh, bracket, uh, if you want, of responsibilities that has been granted by the new statute. WHO says the end of the COVID-19 pandemic is in sight. But with waves of infections still expected in the near future, how are health systems going to cope? 
What's going to happen to initiatives that were formed during the pandemic, like COVAX? And how is the world preparing for the next global health emergency? I'm Jenny Leigh Ravelo, Senior Global Health Reporter for DevEx. And every Thursday, we bring you answers to these questions and other exclusive news and insights on everything global health in our free weekly newsletter, DevEx Checkup. Visit devex.com newsletters to subscribe. What about the new Africa Medicines Agency? What's the latest status on it? How will it work with Africa CDC? Give us a sense of where you see that fits into the architecture. The Africa Medicines Agency is very complementary to Africa CDC's work because um, our responsibility of responding to disease threats uh, will need concrete response from health products. And we don't want to go into regulation. And that is why the, agent, the Africa Medicines Agency has been set up. So the agency will be ensuring that we have what we need for response. And it will grow the manufacturing enterprise on the continent because as a regulator, they will be providing that clearance that this particular product um, uh, is good to use. And uh, with that kind of um, uh, ability on the continent, it means that we can grow our manufacturing uh, effectively. At the moment, um, Rwanda was chosen to host the secretariat of uh, the headquarters of the Africa Medicines Agency. They are proceeding with that. It's very good. When we regionalize preparedness and response, we must regionalize manufacturing, and therefore we must regionalize uh, regulatory um, processes as well. And this is where the African Medicines Agency becomes very important. Attached to that is securing the market. Right now, the way that uh, particularly the vaccines market is designed, uh, the buyers are few. And uh, they control a large proportion of uh, um, the, uh, the, the market of vaccines, for example, that come to the continent. And we want to ensure that um, any manufacturer that is going to be um, uh, setting up on the continent of Africa has a fair chance of having access to the African market. And that is why our Africa Continental Free Trade Area Secretariat in Accra um, is very key. And we are working with them to ensure that that market is secured in a way that is positive for any enterprise of manufacturing health products that is set up on the African continent. So um, as, uh, uh, as AMA expands and occupies the space that is designed to occupy, the enterprise of manufacturing on the continent will also find a very strong ally and um, a way of getting into the market much faster than it is now. I don't know, maybe here in New York, but have you been meeting with some of the pharmaceutical companies? I'm curious what their reaction is. We've heard different plans from different companies about setting up their own facilities. I think Moderna is setting up a facility, I believe in Kenya, your home country. What, what is your sense in talking to the pharmaceutical industry? Are they moving too at the kind of pace that you would like to see? So here and even before here, as we speak to uh, manufacturers who are already on the ground and those who potentially want to come uh, to set up, three things are um, of concern uh, that keep on appearing. One is um, the um, uh, regulatory and policy environment within each and every country. And um, we've been challenged to try and address that in the coming uh, uh, months and years with the Africa Medicines Agency. So that if um, a manufacturer is uh, um, setting up an enterprise in uh, country X, 
um, this business of going and you have to register in each and every country for your product to uh, uh, be accessible there, we are, we are trying to address that through uh, internal mechanisms where registration by one national regulatory authority um, with endorsement from the African Medicines Agency should be able to suffice the registration in another country within the continent. We are working on that with the, uh, the Africa Continental Free Trade Area Secretariat. So this is one thing that is coming up, the policy environment. And presumably the pharmaceutical companies would be very supportive of that. Absolutely, they should be, because it makes life easier for them. Mm -hmm. Secondly is market. How do they access the market? And um, um, our regional economic blocks already have a free movement of goods. ECOWAS they will have uh, some defined goods that are, can move freely within a, a particular market, and health products are one of those. East African community, the Southern Africa development community are doing the same, Central Africa the same. So what we are trying to do now to address that concern of market is um, already our heads of states have given us very clear direction. In May when they met, they, they said um, to all those who are purchasing vaccines that 30% of vaccines should be purchased from enterprises on the continent uh, so as to build that capacity of uh, local and, uh, uh, manufacturing. So um, those directions um, give us the opportunity to ensure that the market is available for those who are going to manufacture here in Africa. And uh, as we speak with them and they, they express that concern, we want to translate that into something that is more concrete, some protocols that are in place, agreements that are in place that when they manufacture, then we buy from them. And then finally is um, uh, the challenges of um, the, env the, the supportive services to manufacture. Do you have electricity? Do you have water? Do you have the technical staff who can be able to, uh, to be employed to do this work? So as Africa CDC, what we are doing is we are focusing as a priority on human capacity. We want to build that in all areas from R&D to technical work to the management part of um, uh, the whole manufacturing enterprise. And we are doing that systematically. And we are also speaking to Africans in the diaspora that you have all this knowledge, let's transfer the knowledge to people who are local in, on the continent. You don't have to leave where you are, but that knowledge we want it back. How do, you, how do you imagine that might work? Are you thinking about scientists, research scientists coming back to the continent, training their counterparts? Yes, exactly. This will be purely capacity building. And uh, because they have the knowledge, we don't expect them to have the infrastructure, but they have the knowledge. So they build the capacity of those who are back in Africa. And um, uh, with that capacity being built, then uh, enterprises that are being set up for manufacturing on the continent will have the human capacity that they need. Apart from uh, working with the diaspora, we are also getting experts from Africa to go elsewhere in Africa. A team has just come back from uh, Egypt, from four or so countries. And we want to utilize the sharing of knowledge and um, opportunities on the continent. And if we don't have enough capacity on the continent, then we send them outside of the continent. Again, we sent, I think, 54 virologists to go to uh, South Korea. We have the Institute of Virus uh, for, for Vaccine, uh, the International Vaccines Institute, where we are training vaccinologists um, uh, to be able to come back and then set up smaller um, uh, groups, then expand those. So we'll be training using facilities on the continent. We'll be inviting diaspora experts to come and train. And then we'll also be sending our experts outside of the continent when it is so necessary.
It sounds very aligned with the University for Global Health Equity in Rwanda, the same kind of ethos, right? Can you bring, can you bring the education highest global standards, but bring it back to where it's needed instead of having people just travel all over the world? And we want to do that in a structured way. Um, we don't want every country to do the same thing. So when we are developing that capacity, we are also speaking with our member states so that some countries do one type of product, other countries do another type of product. That way there's no overt competition within uh, the African market, within the African countries that are putting up their own enterprises. So we train them, but we are also guiding uh, through discussion and agreement, negotiation, uh, what product which country is going to produce so that we have enough market for all the different manufacturing enterprises that are going to be set up. Yeah, I mean, you can see a lot of progress at the existence of the Africa CDC and how it's grown and now this new phase is a real step forward for the health system strengthening on the continent. A very big step, not just a step, but a very big yeah. step. Um, three years ago, we were not thinking like this. But circumstances of the pandemic has shown us that we must think in this direction and ensure continent is actually ready um, uh, for the next big outbreak, even before a pandemic comes. The value in that kind of training is going to go beyond health, beyond health security. It will translate into other sectors as well. We expect the colleagues in agriculture will see it in the same way. We expect the colleagues within the, the climate change movement will see it in the same way. We expect politicians are going to see it in the same way. We are willing in the health security space, Africa CDC, African Medicines Agency, to lead that path where Africa can start doing things on its own, but of course in collaboration with Friends of Africa. Now you have been in the chair as acting director. Um, what do you expect to happen from here? Will you? be acting director general at some point, or do you think that your role is going to be filled? Give us a sense of the latest on that, on that process. I'll, I'll, many of us, of course, listening to this know John Nkenga song, um, your, your predecessor, and uh, now at PEPFAR. Well, he played such a key role in the development of this agency. What will happen for, the, for that, that important position? Um, so uh, two tracks here. Um, the current acting responsibilities that I have means that I must guide Africa CDC to continue uh, to do what it's been doing and do even more. Um, uh, my ambition is we do better because now we have autonomy. So that track will continue. The second track is um, the process of um, getting um, the new structure to be operationalized where our director general is going to be recruited and the rest of the system as well. Now, um, that process is, is in the hands of the Commission, the Africa Union Commission, not in the hands of Africa CDC. It is not our responsibility at the moment to do that. It is in the hands of the Commission who will midwife the process, and then after that, the policy organs of Africa CDC will take over. The governing board does all the interviews and uh, recommends that to uh, the Committee of Heads of States and Government, who then uh, make their recommendations to the Africa Union Assembly. So uh, within the commission, there is a process that's going on. I'm not privy to that because it is their responsibility, not mine. And I may be an interested party anyway, so I will not get involved into the details of that. But these two processes will go um, hand in hand together so that there is no gap between um, uh, the responsibilities that I have now before a substantive director general 
is then uh, recruited. How long that will take is not something that I will be able to, uh, to know. It is a commission that can be able to answer that. Well, it sounds like we might see you in the same chair with a new title soon, uh, or maybe an entirely different title down the road. Let's see. Well, it's, it's been such a pleasure to get to talk with you, Dr. Abman Oguel Oma, and uh, thank you for all the good work you're doing at Africa CDC. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Unga Decoded. We'll be bringing you more interviews from the UN General Assembly throughout the next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with friends, family, and colleagues. And you can also leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. If you've been to UNGA and have some thoughts, or if you just want to share some feedback on this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at DevX and at AlterIgo. Alter Igo.